me and my friends were obsessed with the one thing on his wall, which I'm sure catches everyone's eye, Adolf Hitler ballerina. <laughs> yep. yep. What is that? Like our protagonist here is like, yeah, let's get that between the two French windows. Like, yeah. That's <laughs> motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. <laughs> everybody it's one fucking hour time uh the show of course where we have just one fucking hour to talk about one goddamn movie uh and i'm evan husney and of course we got in the house as usual to my left big t tom fitzgerald what's going on t one fucking hello everybody <laughs> there he is uh <laughs> and uh to my right of course we got uh mr marcus herring marcus welcome back What's up, guys? Good to be here. I can't believe we're at the end of this journey already. This yeah. I mean, not the whole show, but, you know, just uh, <laughs> I don't want to freak anybody out, but just Asterix. the... Uh, yeah. Remember a time? Yeah. It was 1967. That's right. We started Marcus this... Marcus had just been drafted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Tom's <laughs> chopper had landed. Uh, That's right. It was right, basically... Right. Uh, we started this summer series here on the show where we were basically looking at one film per year that corresponded with the episode number. So, for example, as Tom said, we started out with episode 67, which covered a movie from 1967. And now somehow, what is it, uh, 16 films later, we're here at the final one of the summer, the final one of the series for 19. 19- 83 right that's what we're doing right tonight that's right yes, right sir. for episode 83 and is is it because they don't make any good movies in 1984 is that why uh, we stopped there i think so it starts to get a little fuggly <laughs> well i mean a certain <laughs> month is coming up i think that's the main uh, okay. that's the main uh, reason. block yeah. <laughs> the main the main reason we're putting a stop to this little theme that we've been on here this little motif is uh because it is october next week and you know what that means around here around this part it means it's one fucking Tober time, y'all. And that's when we get heavy, heavy into the horror. The neck beards grow out and we fucking are getting ill with that shit. And uh, yep, Marcus is already working on his. Working and on uh, it. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so so at the end of the show tonight, after we've done uh, the show tonight, stay tuned at the end. We're going to unveil to you guys what our program is for one fucking Tober, the four episodes we'll be doing for the month of October that are horror themed, you know, for Halloween and the whole thing. So stay tuned at the end of the show for that because we're going to unveil all the wonderful uh, shows and programming we have in store. Um, and yeah, guys. Um, but before we get into tonight's episode, which is, of course, a movie that y'all voted on from our Instagram. Mm -hmm. This is the last poll you're all going to be allowed to do probably in one fucking hour history. No, I'm just kidding. There'll probably be more. But uh, you picked tonight's film, which is our second David Cronenberg, second bite at the Cronenberg apple. Uh, tonight yeah. is going to be one fucking hour on Videodrome. Very excited for this. I mean, it ran away with the fucking poll. I thought Scarface yeah. would put up a fight, but I know. not even some, close. Some polls are close. This ain't yeah. one of them. <laughs> no, right. Exactly. No fucking way was that going to... Yeah. Uh, was anybody else going to sneak by? So, <clears throat> yeah, one fucking hour of Videodrome is what we're going to be talking about. But before we do, guys, 
we got to get our plugs in. We got to get our. We got to get our. We, we got to plug our shit here. And you guys have been up to something a little special. And you're you're also about to do something sick for the month of October, right? What do you guys got going? Uh, right, on? exactly. Well, uh, Marcus and I, uh, we have a project called EXP TV, right? And uh, it's can be found at exp.org, or uh, we're also on Twitch and uh, exptv.org. Yeah. Yes. Excuse me. Uh, that's the site. We're also on Twitch, and it's 24 hours. It's um, it, it goes in one direction. It's not interactive. You just turn it on. You leave it on, and you have fun. And you go, "What the fuck is this?" And then, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> it's it's awesome. basically a curation of all your favorite shit that you never knew you loved until you're seeing it right now. And uh, it's endless. It's cascading. You could put it on in the morning and make coffee. You can go to sleep at night and throw it on again. Exptv.org. It's Twitch. weirdly apropos to tonight's movie. Right? It is. It's almost it like is. a broadcast from it's another a, place right. that it's messes a, up your mind. It, it's, it's basically <laughs> Channel 83 in uh, 2023. Or maybe yeah. it's and, actually uh, so, but, the but, satellite from but, Malaysia, I think, is what it is more like. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. than it is. Patron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Video yeah. drum. So, uh, no, so, so the point is we've had it around for a few years now. And, you know, feel free to check it out. But now uh, we're in Los Angeles and... Um, in IRL, we've been starting a residency at this crazy place called the Philosophical Research Society. Mm -hmm. Yes. Of course, we wouldn't go and have a residency in a real movie theater. We would have it in a <laughs> the Philosophical, Philosophical Research, Research Society. Society. And I'm not making this up. Look it up. It's a building from the 30s. It's on the east side. It's very cool. It's about esoteric theosophy. Wow. Um, but uh, recently they invited us in. True. I'm sure we'll get kicked out soon enough, but we have a monthly residency. We've been doing it for a while. But in October, we said, let's go all out. And so every week we're going to get down and have uh, on Tuesdays EXP events. And the core theme this year, we call it Phenomicon, in that ah. it's a convention of phenomena. It's like... Leonard Nimoy's in search of Bigfoot on a UFO, psychically speaking, cool. to the survivors of the Bermuda Triangle as they look for <laughs> the Loch Ness Monster, and on and on and on. Psychic surgery, skin vision is going to be addressed, <laughs> and you get all your skin vision answers. It's going to be really fun. And then it all ends with a big party, oh, actually on Halloween. Uh, Tuesday the 31st, and me, myself and uh, DJ Cut Chemist, uh, you might know from Jurassic 5, Oza Motley, and uh, working with DJ Shadow, DJ Cut Chemist and I do an audio video show, and for the first time in, uh, Jesus, five years, we're going to have a live audio video show. Whoa. DJs, bah, 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 on the turntables, and I go, wah, bah, 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 on the live visuals, and I like tag along with him as he goes on his sonic journey, and I do a visual journey, and we we, we had been doing it since like 2005, and a lot of fun so uh if you're in la fucking check it out uh so any of the tuesdays nights? tuesdays seven o'clock um but then the, the the party on the 31st the tuesday october 31st halloween party because it's also just a regular party costumes and dancing and stuff we're gonna have the the, the cut chemist set with me and him uh is eight o'clock uh a little later uh so yeah check it out um we also have it's uh for forty dollars you could go one, two, three, and buy a pass for all four Tuesdays. Nice. So just pop in 40 bucks, and you're guaranteed admittance to, uh, it starts on the 10th, so the 10th, the 17th, the 24th, and the 31st. And uh, nice. we'll have a link in the description down below that details all these crazy October shows that EXP TV is going to be doing. So for further information, 
take a look down there. You know the deal. So and we'll be there fun. too, so you can come hang out with us. You know, and so. I think we're probably going to be there too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah, if you're in the, if you're anywhere in the Western United States, come on out, man. Oh, like awesome. uh, if you're in Salt Lake City. What is that? Like eight hours? Just come on down. Yeah, come on. yeah that'd be awesome. <laughs> check it out. So check it out. Catch the check boys this October Tuesdays. You got the drill. Um, come say hello. Yeah. Um, who yeah. knows? Maybe I'll make a surprise appearance. You never know. Um, Dude, you're more than welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <Randy. Come laughs> That'd be amazing. We'd love to. Fucking amen. Um, all right. And the last plug real quick is the One Fucking Hour Patreon. You guys know the drill. If you like the show, you like you want to support the show, it's the best way to do so. Uh, sign up uh, on uh, patreon.com slash one fucking hour. That's where we have our exclusive bonus episodes. We just did a bonus episode about Canon Films uh, where we talked about one fucking hour. About, Get a yeah. boner bonus. <laughs> we sure did about Canon Films. And we're also dropping uh, this week our audio commentary track on Holy Mountain. So we got a bunch of shit going on. All that stuff's only available on the Patreon. Patreon.com slash one fucking hour. But guys, let's get into the main show tonight. Uh, the main program, One Fucking Hour on Videodrome. It's very apropos also for me as well because I'm in a hotel room in Toronto Ontario right now oh, so right so Civic TV is just fucking down the block from me right um so like, and, and the other across the street is uh the cathode yeah. ray mission right it is exactly pop by there later <laughs> exactly spectacular <laughs> optical is just you know around the bend around so the corner, yeah. um all right so here we go here is the clock let's get into this I'm very excited and clock starts now take to the motherfucking talk <laughs> all right. And a little, uh, oh boy. All right. A little bit of synopsis action on uh, Videodrome. Here we go. This is from the Criterion Blu-ray because it's, uh, it's on Criterion. Here we go. <laughs> so, okay. When Max Wren, of course, played by James Woods at the top of his fucking game, uh, mm. goes looking for edgy new material for his sleazy cable television station. He stumbles across the pirate broadcast of a hyper-violent torture show called Videodrome. His attempts to unearth the program's origins send him on a hallucinatory journey into a shadow world of right-wing conspiracies, sadomasochistic sex games, and bodily transformation. Uh, starring James Woods, as I said, and Deborah Harry, Videodrome is one of the most original and provocative works from writer-director David Cronenberg and features groundbreaking makeup effects by Academy Award winner Rick Baker. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so got to get that in there. Um, guys, we have a huge history with this, all three of us, I'm sure, uh, dating back, far back. Uh, you know, it's definitely, uh, it's one of his classics. It's a hardcore, awesome early '80s flick. It feels very '83. I think this is a perfect '83 yeah. film for us to really get into. And uh, Tom, you were sort of mentioning at the end of last week's episode when we were unveiling the choices for 1983, you were sort of talking about how, you know, you, th this is this is one of the big quotable films for you and your friends back in the day, was it not? Right. Uh, me and my all my dumb friends, like uh, we uh, didn't do homework. We instead would watch like Cinemax after school. And uh, invariably when a film, I've mentioned this before, but when a film didn't do so well in the box office, you would get it f times five compared <laughs> to a hit film on right. these cable channels. So they would run something like Videodrome, which bombed, and they would just like carpet bomb their cable TV uh, you know, schedule. So it was just like, what I'm saying is like, you would just turn around and go like, uh, like turn on video drone cause, and, it, and it would be on, you know? So we would just watch it and uh, yeah, this would be us in like middle school walking around and just reciting like whole scenes together, you know, like, <laughs> like the rest of the world's gotten very tough. 
North America is getting soft, Patron, and the rest of the world is getting tough. Very, very tough. You know, that kind of thing. And so <laughs> it was, uh, I mean, of course it was a big deal because it was, like you said, it was very 83. It was like as badass as you could get with movies. Like everything else seemed like fucking candy ass compared to this film. Like you got <laughs> right. all that you wanted. It was like kind of punk rock. There's gore. There's crazy sex. It's sick. It's got dark themes. Everyone's scary. It's a nightmare, <laughs> but it's kind of rock and roll and fun and um and not. It doesn't read as seventies, is what I'm saying. It doesn't right. feel like no like anything. It doesn't have any a drop of seventiesness to it. It's incredibly eighties, yeah. right from its premise, which is like there's the dawning of like cable and like the expansion of VHS and the expansion of what the average consumer could watch at home and. How far out would they get with their home viewing, you know, which is, you know, not a topic just a few years before. Right. Marcus, you, do, do you have uh, do you have uh, some history with this movie? Well, it definitely had a big impact on me, you know, too. I think as some, you know, as a teenager, somebody who wanted to be exposed to like extreme films and you know, I wanted to be. Uh, I wanted to train myself to be like unfazed by the most extreme kind of movies out there because you know, they did scare me when I was younger. That's the thought of like a, seeing a Faces of Death movie, even accidentally, terrified right. me as a kid. But by a mm. teen, I was like, okay, I'm ready to like, I just want to be my react. I want to watch these movies uh, to the point where my reaction is just to shrug, like no big deal, which is kind of where I'm at now, right? I, I feel like with the uh, Cronenberg was like definitely like a name that was in the air when I was a kid as a teenager. He was already, uh, you know, somebody that was famous on a certain level. I, I first and I, I definitely remember The Fly when it came out was a big movie at the time that was really yeah. freaky and horrible to look at too. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think the first one I remember just knowing it was Cronenberg was um, Naked Lunch. Yeah. And I used to beg my dad to rent that from the video store because it was just, it was ubiquitous at every video store it was a copy of Naked Lunch. And it had this like goofy, like dinosaur on the cover. It looks like a, like a big bird dinosaur, like a Jim Henson oh, puppet yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of like, I want to watch that dinosaur movie, you know, Naked Lunch, and flip over the back and have like a typewriter with teeth or something. And I was like, what could this movie be? You know, so right. I remember being pretty disappointed by it. I probably should have been more disturbed by, by it, no. you know, with all the heroin addicts and people shooting apples off people's heads and you know monsters putting, and stuff but putting like putting like weird like heroin powder in like a bug's like butthole <laughs> or whatever the fuck is right. yeah, yeah yeah it's right i just remember being more disappointed like where's the, that dinosaur wasn't in it enough you know? yeah so it wasn't what i was expecting um, yeah but uh yeah anyway i did i did end up seeing this movie later as a teenager and yeah a lot of things that tom's saying are true for me just the punk rock, the video aspect of it, all those things really jived with me, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's like post-punk kind of, you know, like mm -hmm. just like it's, I can't think of hardly any mainstream film that, that kind of reads as like a post-punk film, even though there's no mm -hmm. like post-punk music, yeah. like the, 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 an underground equivalent is Liquid Sky, you know, that's like a midnight mm -hmm. tiny movie, mm -hmm. but this was like universal co-presented kind of shit. And it was like, like gnarly post-punk, you know, yeah. like a minimal synth nightmare movie. And it, was it taps into that, that little quality of like, you know, like when you would get cable for, you would actually get a cable broadcast for free for the weekend or something, or you might see the scrambled Playboy channel or something. It's sort of like exciting as a kid. Yeah. And this is like a movie built on that premise. You know? Yeah, it's so. amazing. It can yeah, only man. exist in this time period, you know. It's, 
Yeah, it is totally. And like yeah, when you say post punk, it's almost like Chrome or something. Chrome the movie, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, totally. something exactly. feels like one hundred percent. Yeah, their the album covers a lot of times have that like static kind of, and, yeah, and Chrome's right. videos would be like very staticky yeah, exactly. and perfect. Like, yeah. Yes, effects. Yeah. yeah, it's the Chrome um, movie. It's the Chrome yeah. movie. Um, <laughs> uh, so you, uh, uh, Tom, also, uh, we were talking about this as a poll choice last week, mentioned this kind of wish fulfillment <laughs> fantasy of, 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 of basically <laughs> having the job. Where, like, when you grow up, what's the job you want to have? And it's, it's right. Max Wren, right? That's the job you want. Kind of. Right? Well, what I really <laughs> meant to say was like, uh, I did consciously think this. I was watching it one of the million times. And he, it's in the morning at breakfast. He wakes up the first scene. And he's like, I don't know, like dunking like uh, pizza crust in his coffee yeah. or something like that. And he's looking yeah. at like samurai dreams stills and he's wiping like, uh, you know, pizza off it. And I was like, I don't know why. It was like 13 or something. And I was like, you know, I might wind up like this because I'm not going to be a doctor or something. <laughs> but like this could I, this could be fun. Like, like I was more like, like, oh, this is because you don't otherwise if you think about it, this is otherwise you don't really see this much like. You see, adults are big chill assholes. You know what I mean? You know, or like, stri- like straight <laughs> yes, people, yes. You know, or, or or just criminals. I'm like, I don't want to be a criminal or something, and I don't want to be, you know, like uh, in the big chill. So, what does an adult do? Like, what can I do something else? And I was, and I was like, this is kind of in the neighborhood. Like, he's into culture and weirdness, but it's like underground. It's kind of scary. And he's waking up late. It's kind of a rock and roll life, mm-hmm. but it's also based on like fucked up movies. And I was like, is that possible? You know, it was more like that than like it's, what I wanted. It was more like, can is that a way to be an adult? Well, it's kind of it's kind of interesting that like you you kind of tapped into that like curation, like the like the need to want to curate something like a channel, and then you mm-hmm. would go on to be a head film programmer at a theater. You know, so it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. funny you had that thought and then kind of actualized it. And for me too, yeah. it's like. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, just now. Well, now just with EXP TV, you have that channel where you're that's broadcasting. Right. Well, that's the thing. You know, yeah, that's exactly. yeah. There you go. It's um, like uh, yeah. softcore sex and hardcore violence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not quite the same subject, but, you know, when he's saying, like, the whole thing in the movie, he's, he's like, trying to find this one film that he can't find the source of, you know. And that's EXP yeah. TV, too. It's like you never, you never yeah. know exactly where that clip came from. Oh, there's know? so much. There's so many parallels. <laughs> like, if you were the customer of our channel, 83, EXP TV, like, like, we don't have a lot of IDing of what the thing is. Yeah. So it just floats by you, and it's like, what's the thing? The guy's got a multicolored afro, and he's like hitchhiking, and then he gets run over, and then like, like, you know, yeah. like, what is that? And what? I'm like, I don't know. You're never gonna yeah. find out. I'm not telling you. You know, so it, it's it does have that like down the rabbit hole. Yeah, that the right. James Woods character. Well, there's that too. Yeah. It, well, that also really resonated with me when you said that. That like you sort of were you know thinking about daydreaming could this be me as an adult or is this what adults do something like that something like that whatever it was but it resonated more with like me. is this possible is to be an adult to right. make money and have an apartment and be a degenerate psycho in the weird movies so the well, short answer is yes right yes <laughs> yeah sure yeah yeah um but i i i sort of had like uh, the same a similar thought because when i saw this movie i was very seduced by that uh, occupation you know a guy who's going in you know, buying this weird content, you know, for whatever weird fucking uh, <laughs> audience he's building and cultivating, you know, That's like true. I, you're I, that guy too. Oh my I'm God. that guy too. I'm that guy yeah. too. But, but you're a buyer. You're the buyer part. I'm a buyer. I am. Yeah. I, I I mean, buying up we, degenerate movies from I all am. over the world. Yeah, this is like you like 
just play the last cassette. But yeah. Max, they won't understand if they don't see the first yeah. five parts. You know? You're like, I don't care. Yeah. Play the yeah, last. Play, that's good. I know it all already. No, it's like we we talked about like a previous episodes. Like you that's know, where, when I got my start at trauma, it's like sitting right. down with people. Like, all right, does it have diarrhea? Does it have throw up? Does it have some guy getting ma- you know, you know, his uh, dick pulled off? Like, what does it got? You know, so right, it's like right, I, right. I, I know here? that I know that I know that whole shorthand, right. but. But that was that started with me. Not to get too off subject, but that started with me with another movie um, that I saw when I was very young. It made a huge impression on me. Another movie about a guy running a, a uh, local uh, cable access TV UHF? station. UHF. UHF. Man. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Dude, that movie. <laughs> double that feature. Like great double feature. Yeah. Video drum that, UHF. UHF. Double. Yeah. So good. But that's the movie that actually was like. That's what I want to do. I want to inherit like a fucking. You know, fly mm-hmm. by night TV station, program the shit out of yeah. that. That's like that's what I want to do. That's yeah, what I want to do. There was a lot of that fantasizing in the eighties too. There was a show called like Kids Incorporated. And I remember and it was like kids running a TV station, you know, and mm. I think you can't do that in television had that aspect too, you know, kids like broadcasting yeah, yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, so I love that shit. And and so I think when I saw Videodrome for the first time later in life, teenage years, like because UHF was like nine and eight and nine that was my shit mm-hmm. but video drum later on it was like it tapped into that same thing i actually remember that i've been like huh. this is the this is so cool you know this idea of uh, <laughs> uh, like it's it's a great idea for a protagonist a guy who is programming well we all th- that responded for all of us <laughs> it did. like yeah. the protagonist uh like the archetype yeah. here that's it's, so funny mm-hmm. i had no it's, idea it's so great it's like, so great yeah so um so anyway so yeah it, like the first 20 minutes of this movie might even be my favorite part of the whole movie is just the idea of meeting Max Wren, as you said, you know, it's a perfect archetype, sleazoid guy, and nobody, there's nobody better to play a sleazy 80s oh. character than... Can, can we say Wilson. something up front before you mention James W.? Okay. His <laughs> politics... I, I'm going to just put it this way. Okay. No details on his politics. I wish I don't know his politics... Or any of us know his politics. Yeah. And we lived in a world where it's just like he believes this, he believes that. I don't know. I don't care. It doesn't have to do with anything. Because he's hurt himself. He's diminished his legacy. Not even what he believes, but that he's just one of those asshole boomer guys who won't shut the fuck up about their take, <laughs> their take on everything. You know, like, right. shut up. That's actually what I care about. Not even, like, the what, but the, the how. So mm-hmm. it's a shame. But yeah. I'd like for all of us to formally address that and get through it and go, he fucking ruled in the 80s. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Right? He did. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Wasn't one of our James first Wood. episodes was like a James Woods movie. The Boost. That's right. right. Yeah, The Boost. Shout no, out no, to The Boost. We love James. Yeah. In the 80s. <laughs> in the 80s. Asterix. He's he stole great, Casino. Uh, he stole Casino. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and Cat's so Eye, too. The, he's that section of Cat's great. Eye where he's like the Quitting guy smoking. trying to quit smoking. Yeah. Oh, he's great. No, he's, he's really good. And... He has just such a, um, I mean, he does have a thing that he does, you know, but it's always welcome mm-hmm. and he does it so fucking well. Like he is such a charismatic force, just like, God. and very natural too. Like his, his shtick is Absolutely. so natural. A charismatic and, asshole, you know, yeah. like a lot of the times. Hard to An do. asshole that you love still, even though yeah. he's. No, but, <laughs> but what you're saying too is like, it feels like if they yelled, you know, they said cut, he would be exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. When, when the cameras <laughs> stop, you know, because because it, it just even if it, that's not quite true, mm-hmm. you do get that sense. And he has that he has that X factor, uh, not quite a movie star, but a great character actor, at least. And um, you're right. You, you just 
want to watch him behave. Yeah. Like you just want to watch him, you know, drive a car and like talk yeah. on the phone. And drink he coffee. does seem like one of those actors that's really good at being themselves on yeah. camera. You know, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, so good. And if I can say, uh, earlier this year, maybe it was late last year, I caught this movie for the first time. Never fucking saw it. And it's the ultimate James Woods. It's one of the ultimate James Woods. It's fucking Salvador. Is oh, is oh. is so fucking over the top, James Woods. Mm. It's Salvador you know, is a monster. We'll have it's to a do monster. That. It's so good. It's yeah. so crazy and yeah. so good. But anyway, back to this movie, uh, Videodrome. So we're obviously introduced to, to his life, you know, very vividly and great little touches that Cronenberg has, like, as you said, with the pizza crust and the way that his apartment looks and it's dressed. You know, what do you call those little glass, uh, like bricks, you know, that are like uh, oh, right. by his front door? Know. You know, what, glass bricks? With those Can frosted I... glass yeah. bricks. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Okay. Decor. Give me a two-second detour. One of the big things, <laughs> me and my friends were obsessed with the one thing on his wall, which I'm sure catches everyone's eye, Adolf Hitler ballerina. Yep. Yep. What is yep. that? Like, we'll literally, what it, that looks like a post-punk, like, UK post-punk yeah. 45, you know? Yeah, it does look it like does. a punk album art. Like, yeah. early Human League or something? <laughs> yeah. What is that? Like... I don't actually don't want to know, but like that's a somebody put Hitler's face on a ballerina's body, mm-hmm. and of course, our protagonist here is like, yeah, let's get that between the two French windows. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's I want to look at that every day. When I get up. Uh, what amazing, the fuck, dude. Yeah, so cool. Great, great detail. So there's great little you know moments like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it is awesome seeing like into his day to day, as you said, like being mm-hmm. a buyer. And meeting, m- meeting the uh, Japanese buyers or you know the guys who are selling the Samurai Dreams tapes in some seedy hotel, you know mm-hmm. somewhere in Toronto, <laughs> some suite <sighs> as they yes. call it. So and good, it's so great. And and uh, and also I have to give a shout out too. It's like great little detail in uh, like I think exposition is delivered very well in this movie. It's always challenging to figure out like. You know, when you're sitting down writing a movie, how are you going to explain this person to the audience? How are you uh-huh. like? What's a creative, not like you know, on the nose way to doing it? And a talk show is always welcome as yeah. a way for exposition. Good I call. Find, you know what I'm saying? Like that's a really yeah, good, good call trick to sort of like you know get around the sort of like uh, you know exposition introduction to the character. Yeah, it's great because yeah, good call. And that, and that yeah, that's ahead. true. I do love that this talk show too has that. It still has a distinctly uh, interesting visual element too that one guy is being interviewed on the tv screen you know that's it. not it's still so it's got sort of a frameable quality to it right you know? yeah brian oblivion yeah is introduced like he will only appear oh. on tv on tv yeah well, is, there you go but <laughs> yeah. but also it's like it's significant because like it's it's part of the encroaching of television's dominance mm-hmm. you know this media where in fact, exposition is delivered through a Phil Donahue bullshit talk TV. show kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, like that's how we, the audience, learns more about our protagonist, not in the real world, but like in the little box and, uh, and, and the different way. And because it's a little skewed, like he's presenting himself in a TV show way. Mm-hmm. Which, you know what I mean? Anyway, so like it's a TV show context of character introduction, which is, I guess, all I'm saying is thematically concurrent with. Everything yeah. Else. And it's, it's a good it's a good delivery vehicle for his charm. 
because you know James Woods again another quality all of his characters have is the fucking sleazoid yeah. charm. Dude, he hits on yeah. Deborah Harry in the middle of the interview. Like, <laughs> can I take you to dinner? What's going yeah, on? You know, know, like know, between the questions, like, fuck, dude. Yeah, no, it's amazing. <laughs> and and really? then she, and then her character's very odd. I think in this Love movie, it. kind of like mm-hmm. you know, Three quaaludes. Yes, good way of describing it. Because I was about to say underwritten, but I think Quaaludes is is kind of one of the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, but right. yeah, but it's it's interesting how she's, she's kind not of like an producer. actor, I guess. You know, so that's part of no. it. I think you know, sure. since she's like came from a different tradition. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting about her. I always uh, just I can't get it, stop marveling at her age. You know, like she was born in 1945. That makes her only five really? years older <laughs> than John, or five years younger than John Lennon. Even though they seem like two completely different generations, wow. you know, like Blondie and genes. the Beatles. Yeah, no, she's amazing. But she probably I mean, took she, care of herself. She probably right, wasn't. She, a, didn't, a she was like in her like mid to late thirties by the time that Blondie was like having hits. Are I you sure about that? Yeah, absolutely. Wow, yeah, she's only yeah. Right. So yeah, she and, probably and I, she probably wasn't a big boozer and a drinker because like she looks healthy, you know, as yeah, much as a good genes. bone structure too. You well, know, yeah, but, yeah, but no, but her skin, you know. <laughs> anyway yeah i just think it's interesting when people have success later later in life like that i find that to be pretty interesting you know no totally and um but her character is odd because she's kind of introduced to us in this framework on the talk show as somebody who's supposed to be the opposing view to max wren's sort of you know uh you know peddling all this sort of smut tv kind of concept uh but mm-hmm. then, you know, and, and then we get to see her in her in her element working at this radio station, I love which is that. amazing. What is it called again? It's called like... Um, I don't remember. Uh, Nikki something? It's, like it's emotional, a good name. It's like uh, um, emotional support, or I can't remember what it's called, but it's Emotional rescue? Emotional rescue, that's right, with Nikki Brandt or something, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. really great. <laughs> and and so, so you meet her that way, so you kind of think that she is coming from, you know, uh, a more wholesome, if you will, or right. you know, just you know, on that sort of side of society. Well, she's here to help people. She's a yep. psychologist helping people walk through their problems. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but and, but <laughs> uh, but um, and, and 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 well, there are clues to it, you know, because he also does call her out for wearing the red dress, which is interesting. I admit it. I live in a highly excited state of overstimulation. But obviously, that's kind of a weird, you know, 80s. She lives in a, in a world of overstimulation. Yeah, right, exactly. And then we find out very quickly, this movie decides <laughs> to introduce to us that she's into hardcore fucking, I guess, S&M. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To quote her, no, no, don't, don't turn it off. Wait, like, 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 yeah. like a woman's being <laughs> savagely beaten in grainy VHS <laughs> uh, right. with, a, with yeah. a clay wall. By the way, you guys do know what a clay wall means? Because my oh. friend explained this to me years ago. No. Mm. Please. It's so chilling. Well, it's when you you fuck this person up. It's a nightmare. It's torture, and then you execute them. Instead of having the bullet, you know, bounce ricochet, it just goes right into the clay, and it's done. Oh. Like all bullets just go into clay, and out, you know, it's like not an issue. Into Unlike clay. you know, a stone or something. Right. Wow. right. Isn't that fucked up? That is weird. That's the that's what a clay wall is for. I, oh I thought that, that I have scene. one uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the bathroom. Yeah. All right. well, um, but yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, Oh no, quick. I just, I loved the 12 year old fantasy aspect of it. You know, the Debbie Harry comes over your house and asks like, I know, got right? any porno? Got any porno? You serious? <laughs> no, exactly. Like, yeah. like, like she's like, like a, she's a goer as the British say. <laughs> well, here's the, here's the, here's the quote. 
the quote is uh, she looks at the she looks at what's on the TV and she's like, uh, "What's this video drone?" And he's like, "Torture, murder." Sounds great. Ain't exactly sex. Says who? And then you know, right? And then then you're like, mm. "Whoa, okay." And then. Swing, boy, and then, uh, and then, I'm totally, I know we're we're both kidding. torture, violence. We're all just yeah. being stupid. Yeah. We're just being stupid. Um, but um, well, James Woods isn't into it either. He's not turned on by no. it, really. Right? No, he's, he's not. He's he's fascinated by. It. Well, well, I, he says it's for business reasons. Business reasons. As he discusses yeah. later with Barry yeah. Convex. Why would anybody watch a scum show like Video Drone? Why did you watch it, Max? Business reasons. But uh, no, it's but he, but also he's just uh, he's I gotta say if we're talking about our protagonist, I think he has a native curiosity as much as anything else. I sure. don't know why because the character is a little underbaked, well, but he, um, yeah, I think he's just looking. I think it's that early '80s thing where it's that cynicism that's post idyllic '60s and '70s, and it's more like a, a cynical nihilistic feeling of like, where's the next cheap? Where's my next cheap thrill coming from? Mm-hmm. Like, like, oh, that's a new drug, or like, I don't even know what that is, but I'm going to take it. And like, what's this? And like, well, what's I think that? he, like, I think kinks. he has. Well, I think he has a vision, at least for whatever his fucking channel is, that this is going to be something that's going to work for his channel. Well, it's, but he does say with Barry Convict, Barry Convict sees right through that. He's like, right, business reasons, you know, later yeah, in the yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think that's part of it, but I think right. the fact that he is who yeah, he right. is as the protagonist here, I think he's yeah. looking for that cheap thrill quickie mm-hmm. high that i think is indicative of like early 80s culture of like mm-hmm. you know like beat yeah. me whip me fuck me you know like yeah. uh, never call me back you know that kind of thing a very dark kind of take on like uh human behavior which is based on overstimulation yeah mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's like he's he could he's into watching it on the screen but when it's real life he's like kind of He's sort of he's yeah. kind of repulsed by it a little bit, but right? it's like yeah. he, he needs that distance between mm. the screen. You yeah, know? that's true. It reminds me of one time I, I was at a party in LA at a warehouse, and next door to the party, and then in the other warehouse, there was a porn being shot. And I didn't see anything, but I talked to the uh, DP <laughs> afterwards. You know, the, uh, sure. the uh, sorry, the director sure. of cinematography. Yeah. I talked to him afterwards, oh, just right. some guy with a video camera, and I and I asked him like, what you know, I don't remember. I just asked him about what he was doing or whatever, and he said, you know, sometimes I'm looking at the camera and i'm like why is it so much hotter on this screen than it is right in front of me you know Interesting. Yeah. and yeah. i just think about that a lot like you know just in terms of that distance that you know maybe we as people need you can watch a a video of someone getting killed but that's yeah. different than seeing it in person i guess well sure. it's one step removed you know and which is a not a fun part of uh human nature that's been exercised more and more Mm-hmm. Or like voyeur, like watching and not engaging in it, right? Like sure. with Debbie Harry in the room, he has to be a part of that. Yeah, no, he's, he's you know, and not just like sit he's, by and watch. Yeah, the stakes it. are higher. Yeah. yeah, well, that's yeah. a big part of I think what he's trying to explore. You know, with this movie, he being David Cronenberg, is this idea of you know, video is hitting hot in 1983, right? So people are mm-hmm. consumers of videotape. Uh, they are bringing their, you know, bringing things home, watching weird shit. It's kind of the wild, wild west in that regard. And so this movie does sort of have an odd tone in that I think it's kind of like examining, but also criticizing and exploring this idea of like people being desensitized to, yeah. you know, violent imagery, you know, and what's being more 
you know, pervasive in society and culture with like, yeah. you know, is this exactly healthy? Because right. that's the thing I think not to get too grand about this, but it, it, the fights in, of the sixties for, uh, for, for uh, creative freedom, you know, to express yourself, what you would have like, you know, crazy art films, you know, and it would be uh, like, like, uh, you know, like Godard could have, you know, like, uh, you know, like something really Frank or like, or, or more Ordorowski, you know, like uh, something really, um, that was taboo, you know, just a few years earlier. And there was a fight for that kind of freedom of expression, mm -hmm. but then it kind of started curdling and became like last house on dead end street, <laughs> which maybe wasn't exactly the point of initially having challenging art films by like Arabal and, and Hurtorowski, whatever, you know, that kind of thing. And like, it just kind of curled into this cynical bullshit. It also happens with rock and roll too, where it's like, I'm expressing myself, again late 60s 70s and then it became wasp and i you know fuck you like an animal or whatever. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm not i'm not making any moral judgment i'm just saying that there was a transition period yeah. and i to his credit cronenberg was in the middle of this in the cultural zeitgeist and he was making an interesting observation that otherwise wasn't really being addressed by anyone else in any manner mm -hmm. so i appreciate that because it was a thing like where are we going with this like what's yeah. the extrapolation Right. Yeah, yeah. What's, he does seem yeah. literally in the middle too, because he's got some art film, you know, aspirations, and he's capable right. of that. Right. But he's also got that exploitation horror film linger right. on the gore, Absolutely. you know, quality too. Absolutely. You know, so he's right yeah. in the middle. He mm -hmm. is. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, with this movie, um, you know, he's. Uh, it, it's like, uh, oh shit! What was I going to say? Fuck. Uh, <laughs> oh, I was going to say, too, like the idea of this character in the film, Marsha, uh, you know, it, who's an interesting character who kind of also is, uh, you know, she's she's, I guess, the buyer for stuff that's selling him certain programs. And she's the mm -hmm. one that brings him. What's that program that he's like is too tame? The again? Grecian. Oh, Dionysian Knights. Yeah. <laughs> is that, is that yes. it? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love it. And he's like, like uh, oh, and he's like, that stuff's pretty soft, Marsha. I no, I love her. She's an MVP for the movie. She is. For me. There's two she people is. who are MVPs. What I love, I, I swear to God, this is me and my stupid friends in middle school. We were obsessed with the way that she flirted with the uh, Greek waiter. <laughs> yes. Does anybody even know what I'm talking yeah, yeah. about? Yes, I do. I do. Thank Like, yeah, yeah, because like she's 60 years old and she's looking at him with like flirty eyes and he's like, hmm, hubba bubba. And it's just so weird and amusing. I, I guess, he's very you know, strange back, looking too. You know, yeah, he's exactly. <laughs> They're very like, like, oh, great. I'm super weird too. And she's like, yeah, let's get weird. And like, actually, that's another thing. When I was a kid, I was like, is this adult stuff? You know, yeah. um, right. like, like adults are fucking weird. Yeah. And um, no, but also just to the, just stick on here for one second. Cronenberg actually did something pretty interesting. He said he really liked that uh, character and that, that actress because um, it's a, an old woman who has her sexuality intact mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and is, it is comfortable in expressing it, which is like mm -hmm. so taboo in like mm -hmm. stupid America. But like European women can be like 65 year olds and be like, and be like, let's roll in the hay, you know? Before we drift too far apart, I just anyway. want to, the, the reason I brought her up just to close the loop was because yeah. there, basically, you know, you have James Woods' character is describing to her like what Videodrome is and that she's going to be on the hunt to sort of find who are the people that are making it. And he, he describes it to her as, you know, ah, it's murder, torture, no plot. I think it's what's next. 
then God help us. You know, which right. is uh, which right. I, I think is is interesting because she's coming from the world of oh, I love how she refers to it as the subterranean market. By the way, is the oh, audience the subterranean that's, grapevine? Yeah, right? the subterranean grapevine too. Yeah, that, like, so good. That's but I know where you're going with this. That's where they're you know playing in. They're playing in the subterranean market, and she hears through the subterranean grapevine that. You know this shit. You don't want to fuck with this stuff. You know, and um, and I, I think that's because because I, I think that is what he's trying to say is like where's the line and when do we you know because we're becoming so numb emotionally from all this stuff. Right. You know right, all this right. all this content. What all happens this. to human beings? Uh, yeah. Emotionally and it's yeah. a society. But you know, actually, yeah. just to put a button on your button here, I like I really like that you picked up on that because her age would mean that maybe she was doing like experimental theater. Totally. In like Germany in 1964, yeah. <laughs> yeah. where things were challenging. Like I went topless and I destroyed a piano with, uh, you know, like five guys in leather jackets. Because, you know, like something like back to, <laughs> you know, like uh, Hodorowski's, you know, Mexico City freak scene uh, happenings. You know, so she seems like like I was there and then suddenly this became really grim, like pseudo uh, snuff. Now, one little, let's actually keep addressing one little thread here. This is, as much as anything, the time of the rumor of snuff films still, Mm -hmm. which started in 1976. Now, the psychology of snuff films, the, the, the mythology of it, is interesting to me because pornography was unimaginable in 1968, walking down the street at your local theater. You know, like like where your kids go get ice cream and it's across the street, like people fucking on film. Unimaginable. But then it was ubiquitous and commonplace by like 1975. So I think it's a little weird that people extrapolated and goes, well, listen, if it was unimaginable a, a handful of years ago, but suddenly there's like full, crazy, constant penetration close ups mm-hmm. like in, like, well, what's next? And then yeah. they go like, oh, like people getting stabbed to death is playing Starts Friday. Right. And they re- people really, en masse, people were like, oh, Clay that's Walls. the next logical conclusion, which yeah. is Clay a Walls. little weird. Right. Huh? I can see it now. But it's that societal decay and like the fear of societal decay. And like we have it now, you know, the same thing where people like take little cues in, in culture and extrapolate that like, oh, no, yeah. and we're going to have, look where right. things are going to go after this. So it is like right. a, something that seems to happen as a cycle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. some kind of human nature where they extrapolate. <laughs> so anyway, video drums in the chat. I mean, snuff films are addressed in video drum. Mm-hmm. And um, and side note, and Marcus, you're going to love this. Did you know this, Marcus? That the inspiration really for video drum is, and and David Cronenberg doesn't even maybe still know this, but he was watching Emmanuel in America. Oh, <laughs> one of my favorites for wow. sure. Exactly. No, yeah. but do you guys know what I'm getting at here? Next because yeah. he was, there is a snuff I, film at the end. There is like a. Yes. yes, Emmanuel goes to see a snuff film being made at the end of that movie. Whoa! Right. In Emmanuel, right America. by the by the military, uh, and it's being trafficked, and you know Emmanuel gets the Laura Gemster Emmanuel gets trapped up. But so I don't want to sidetrack too much. But it is interesting actually because David Cronenberg did see that movie somehow, just traipsing through like garbage movies, and that scene really stung him. And he was like, "What the fuck?" And even to this day, maybe like ten years ago, he was doing commentary for uh, Video Drum, and he was like, "I cannot tell you the movie, but I saw this thing where all these military guys like huh. brutally murder a woman, 
and it's on film and the narrative of the film is I don't know what the hell it is I may never know but he has described it as a manual in America in, in the past right. but he doesn't maybe recognize the title so anyway further reading it does look manual, pretty real too by 70s standards that look yeah like. it's pretty yeah it's 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 pretty grim the manual in America and it's so shocking because the movie's otherwise so light but that <laughs> yes. that's the movie that blew David Cronenberg's mind guys wow. 1976 wow. Emmanuel in America could have been Check like flipping flipping through channels you never know could have been like a yeah no maybe it was you're right maybe it was playing like late night on uh, that Toronto station because you know channel 83 is based on a real station oh uh, right. called like community TV or something city TV I think yes right city yeah. TV which became like right. much music which is uh, yeah, yeah Canada's yeah. Uh, MTV, MTV. Yeah. And like so, so it did exist, and you know he probably saw Ameri uh, Emmanuel in America yeah. in 1979 because they would show stuff like that. Wow! Yeah, they said at night they would play like after midnight or whatever. At night they would skin play flicks. like yeah, skin flicks to try to boost the audience because it wasn't you right. Yeah, you know, doing and so I'm hard. sure they played it. Yeah. Wow! Is your mind being blown a little bit? Like, yes, uh, yes, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. I, I, I was also thinking about this movie being made sort of again in the backdrop of the video nasty thing that was happening like right smack dab in the it, it middle of this era. It predates it, but uh, but it's it's all the zeitgeist is there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, a hundred percent. So we should talk about because anyway. I know you, I because I know you brought it up, and then I want to I want to talk about one more character, and then I want to talk about um, just you know this movie and how we sort of view it, you know now and 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 a little bit on how we view Cronenberg as well but this one other character that I, I wanted to bring up because I know you're raring to talk about oh please be the one I'm thinking of <laughs> yeah no it is it is don't worry is uh the character of Harlan um, oh. <laughs> Patron. yeah it's another great character in this because you That's know he does dude. He does fit your sort of, you know, rock and roll all nighter uh, technician. Yeah, all nighter like, uh, like uh, burning the candle at both ends. Like, yeah. hey man, I think I finally got this thing sorted out. And he's surrounded by like broken weird gear at like mm -hmm. seven in the morning. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. Spun yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, oh, I love it more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, a, he's he's a great little sidekick character in this. Obviously, he winds up being part of the conspiracy. Spoiler alert. Which is so chilling. It because is. Because it seems like a righteous, chill bro. Yeah. And then he's actually part of the fucking conspiracy. That, uh, the first time I saw it, that unnerved me. Because, like, he seemed like a cool kind of dude. And, like, a chill mm -hmm. dude. And then he's not. And he's part of some weird neo-Nazi psychopath, like, control system group. Wow. And, and, he, and, he, and he put up that front for two fucking years as well, too. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. crazy. You never yeah. watched it. It didn't affect you because you never watched it. Yeah, you never watched video drone. <laughs> I know. Never looked at the screen. It's amazing. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, let, let's just talk a little bit about like you know, it's it's it is also interesting because this movie being Canadian and there's a lot of great references to America in this, which is so Canadian. Oh, to America. Well, well, well. When they're like, um, it's coming from Pittsburgh. That's in the USA, you know, and oh, stuff I like see, that. I see. You All know, right. Just a, lot of, a lot of just funny references that you just sound weird and right, right, I didn't movie. think of that yeah yeah <clears throat> um, but so it is it is very Canadian but a big part of uh, being a Canadian independent film back in this time period is the idea of the tax shelter we've talked about it a lot in the episodes uh, prior and pin I think we brought it up or the brood this idea of you know that there was a hundred percent tax write-off for Canadian films uh, in this time and David Cronenberg is the big big breakout star of this tax loophole system in Canada and uh, part of what it meant is 
that you would basically get an, a very wealthy independent financer, usually a dentist or a doctor or somebody <laughs> in Canada that. who was looking to get their big tax write off. And so by the end of the year, they would basically be waving all this money around and it didn't matter if you had a finished screenplay or, or whatever, uh, but you had to go into production immediately. Wow. And uh, this movie does feel like it's symptomatic of that process because, and I, I think a lot of his films from this era feel that way too, like especially like a Scanners, where maybe like, yeah. you know, Cronenberg's got like an incredible idea for a movie. He's got yeah. an incredible yeah. concept yeah. for something, but maybe yeah. the script isn't like his like, ambition. His eyes are full of ambition. Yeah. But yeah. then Ideas. what's in his hand is less than that ambition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I think it's that a great premise, but the movie, yeah, no, but, he, but little... he's saying about the resources, the time, and the money aren't mm-hmm. where that idea, you know, like uh, can, can really live. Yeah, right, maybe he's probably right. writing it while he's shooting it and things like yeah, that, exactly. you know. And so I think they shot this in thirty-five days, for instance. For yeah, like crazy, that. crazy. So yeah, I heard yeah. they didn't even have the end figured out until the last day of shooting. Right, like he's right. still writing that pages. Kind of yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. I'm sure. I'm sure. But so his movies from this era mainly this one and scanners come to mind maybe the most where it does feel like i don't know like the idea is the best part of it the ideas and james woods being in this movie is is huge Mm -hmm. but like if you look at scanners like the guy who's in the lead in scanners like jesus christ you know, like oh, you don't love him. It's painful. <laughs> yeah, you're not like pain. really into that guy's no. performance. <laughs> no, oh, what's okay. his name? I can't remember his name, but I don't like, fucking well, know Jimmy Slack. Yeah, <laughs> they, had to, they had to like overdub know. him and stuff, and and like you know his his yeah. movies tended from this period kind of have a flat sort of drab quality to them where they don't mm-hmm. quite go hand in hand with the visual style. But however, Some bad TV lighting, you know, yeah, for a lot of it. It's kind of flat, but then of course it's offset by in this movie Rick Baker is killing it with incredible special yep. effects set mm-hmm. pieces, and, and James Woods, like I said, the, helps look the off. TV. Like yeah. if we're gonna do a little Rick Baker, like the yeah. uh, the undulating uh, like mm-hmm. bulbous TV, yeah, that that always blows my mind to Amazing. this day. That's an incredible visual manifestation of mm-hmm. of his ideas, like that. So I'm glad you cited that because that's really when everything's on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. killer weird Cronenberg ideas and then it's executed and it's an indelible image great it's like images. a bulbous yeah like bulbous the idea of, television screen holy shit oh, like rear he's projecting like, he's sort of fondling the screen you it's know and he's like, making out with it it's and, and then just also the screen but also just the the wood being kind of soft yeah. and gooey and it's like and bubbling so that like the beta tapes <laughs> are like riding the pulsating the like Rebody joystick tapes, yeah. The joystick, the, uh, the television sticks, yeah. It's it's that's it is, the best part of the movie, you know. Like I feel like incredible. everything, everything in the apartment is great. That's sort of like we talk about apartment horror sometimes in this show. Uh, yeah, you know, right. the sort of, I love the yeah. the stuff on the couch. It's sort of the yeah. couch, it's like couch potato horror. It's really relatable yeah. actually for me. But just like right. uh, you know, right. everything in that stuff, the lighting is great in those apartment scenes too. It's like uh, every and the premise is all coming alive, like in those scenes, and then it's like everything outside of the apartment is kind of like doesn't live up to that wonderful. Not premise as much. In those uh, there's moments. some okay set pieces, but uh, not it's not as strong. They're really on all on all cylinders with uh, the apartment. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Well, because yeah. there, there's like the vaginal gun or the vaginal <laughs> opening, and then a gun that is so hundred percent Cronenberg, and that's <laughs> a lot is. of fun to watch. That more Rick Baker, you know. Mm-hmm. Then it's like peak Cronenberg, the yeah, gun like he's, stuff. He's scratching his stomach, and suddenly there's an opening. And then suddenly there's a 
weird gun in the opening yeah. and then suddenly it fuses with his hand it's like whoa brother that's that's awesome yeah. and it's all it works great yeah it does it does it is it's great Sorry. it is it is him at the top of his game um but there is something that's it, it feels like like as you were alluding to with max's character like there could be more there in order to kind of give us a full 360 yeah. you know of everything because I, I i sort of do feel that the back third of this movie is where things start to kind of get a little wonky in terms of you know where is this all uh going you know yeah um like i will it's say a script the, problem yeah a little bit like crafting problem um and i and it feels hastily kind of put together but but i will say mm-hmm. that basically the scene is once they get control of max and he goes in to the fucking tv station his tv Dude. station and fucking shoots his fucking colleagues that that's is chilling that's even more chilling. chilling now than then even, you know. Definitely. Because definitely. of the ex- environment of horrible bullshit gun violence yep. in this country feels right. it really resonates more than it did even back then, you know. Right. Because uh, it seems all that much more plausible, you know. Yeah, no, 100%. In our modern world, you know. 100%. It's and, chilling. Um, no, what does he say? Like his, his co-worker's like, Max, I'm glad you're here. You can help us out, untie this little problem you might have. And oh shit, we're all being yeah. murdered. They don't expect <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. And uh and he, I love that he has proclamations like Long of the New Flesh when he's like yeah. shooting people, like because he he to me seems like just a okay, like a schizophrenic person mm-hmm. on their own hardcore trip, and that's what's leading them to shoot people. Because right. it has that feeling like he's got this whole agenda that's working out in his head. Right. But in reality, he's just shooting people. Well, that could be what's happening. Yeah, that could be what's happening, right? right? He's just what, he's been exposed to too much violence on TV, and it's corrupted his brain. And he's so hallucinating. He's, yeah, so he's the result of like this, this movie's really about what happens when you watch too much TV. You know, he's seen too many <laughs> far out TV shows that have messed his brain, movies. and he's out there. Right, right. Too much violence hey, on TV. I can attest to that. We don't all yeah. turn out that way. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it is interesting because it's like the movie is sort of riding the line between like kind of agreeing with the, uh, yeah. you know, popular yeah. uh, criticisms of violence on television, right. but also then satirizing it maybe. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. It's a little unclear. A little yeah. unclear. Because, no, because I think Marcus, you were saying earlier, some, yeah, it's like he's making an incredibly violent film that's a comment on incredible violence in media. Yeah. <laughs> like when you see Barry Convex's head dis- disintegrating from like the weird video drone bullets and he's still alive though, like he's, his nerves are functioning. Oh, yeah. That fucking stopped us cold when we were kids. Yeah. And, and detail, sorry, little detail. So he shoots him and you have a tight close up that lingers of his body, like dealing with his head disintegrating. And so Max Ren is walking out of the auditorium where he's shooting him. And you cause and the mic is hot though, because it's next to Barry Convict. So live over the whole PA is <laughs> Oh, you just muted yourself. <laughs> oh no, your mic went out. It's like there's like a tumor inside his head that's erupting out onto the stage, right? Like there's like a, it's like literally a tumor inside his yeah. brain. Did you turn your mic <laughs> okay. back on there? But there you go. No, do you, yeah. no, like do you guys know whatever little detail for video drum heads? But we noticed that at the 150th viewing, it was like you heard. <laughs> <laughs> you guys catch that ever? I got Three go convex back. over the PA system. Okay, that's next time. Back. 
next time. Oh, I know what you mean. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> anyway. Uh, it's amazing. So, um, well, we should talk when it's about fun, this when too. it's good. It's a blast. This movie. It yeah. is. It, it, really I, it is. sucks. We never see Debbie Harry again. Really, I mean, yeah, we see at the end, I guess. But like yeah, when she's little... gone, she's a star. So you want to see I'm, her. I you miss know? her. And, and, and when you know she's what you gone, get? You know what you yeah. get instead, Marcus, is the uh, Brian Oblivion's daughter. It's like yes. a school marm. Bianca, <laughs> it's kind of like a pain in the ass, boring. Like yeah. Well, I wish. Yeah, I not the same. I do. Like I do feel that Deborah Harry is a great presence in this movie, and in yes. the scenes that she's best utilized, she's amazing. But I really yes. wish there was more of her, like just in the movie, or if they did something good more call, of the guys. character, because yeah. she does kind of go so quickly from that call-in radio show to like cut me, you know. And it's just like I yeah. just wish there was. I want a lot. I want that to be a through line through the whole film. I agree with um, you. I never really realized that that's something that's making me less into the like the second half issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. needed, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's that. But something we should talk about: um, interesting set piece. I want to get your guys' take on it. It is kind of rad in sort of a heavy metal magazine sort of way, uh, but like you know, it is very blaring social commentary. Uh, is the cathode ray mission uh, location? Mm, I love set that. piece. So yeah, when the, when the little weird guy just looks over at Max. Like he's oh, in the yeah. cubicle and he's like, hi, I'm watching Mori Povich uh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a little That's heavy-handed, chilling. right? It's a little heavy-handed of an idea. Yeah, but works, I, I, I think I personally think it gets away with it because it's sort okay. of like metaphorical and it, and it deals with Marshall McCollins, some of his themes at least. And, and a lot of people say that it predicted... Um, Social media, internet addiction. Oh yeah, you know, that's yeah, prevalent yeah. in the last, you know, in these past few decades, the last decade. Sure. You know, how about people are just like mainlining, you know, like algorithms and how, mm-hmm. um, you know, and again, I'm not, I don't do soapboxes, I don't moralize, but I make observations and like, um, you know, so many of us are being jacked in the brain by multi-million-dollar corporations, and and they're making us press little buttons in our heads and they give us little pleasure pellets mm-hmm. you know and uh that's not great and that is a little not unlike the cathode ray mission yeah in that like because what they're doing is they're making slaves to that the media in this case which is television but they're making slaves because like it's a necessity it's like have a bowl of soup and watch maury povich mm-hmm. and so it's an exchange that desperate people are willing to do it just feels really gnarly yeah. It's like mm-hmm. gross manipulation. I feel like one of the problems with that is that the 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 sort of guru, the Marshall McLuhan guy, who, who I didn't realize was connected to, or based on that, you know, on on him until later in life. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty here. interesting. I think part of the problems with him is he's not like a great actor. He's delivering all this like uh, philosophical. Oblivion? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I don't feel like we, I connect with him as a character. And I think he's he's on a screen, which is hard enough because you're you're only going to interact with that character on a, through a TV screen. And yeah. he's also delivering all this philosophical, mm. you know, uh, dialogue that is the core themes of the film. And I feel like if it was a more dynamic actor, or maybe even like a bigger name actor on the screen, he could be maybe communicate to the audience better. Like Ernest Borgnine is that <laughs> yeah, maybe anybody I'm honestly? Just with you. Yeah, sure. But I mean, I, just I yeah. I kind of like this performance. I don't because he looks like a. Because what I liked about it was he has the face of like a used car salesman, mm-hmm. like pencil thin mustache. Like I just got this beauty, and you got to take a look at it. He just looks like a <laughs> a classic huckster. He looks like Maury's like, wigs, like, kind of. Yes, that's what I'm saying. He looks like yeah. a huckster who figured something out. 
hey man, this racket's the best one I've ever found. You just yeah. tell these people one, two, three, and they fucking unload the cash. It's like the I'd Rhino buy that Oblivion for a dollar. I'd buy that for a dollar. Guy. Yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> so I like that because he seemed kind of greasy mm-hmm. and uh, disingenuous, and uh, yeah. that felt like the kind of like he didn't seem um, like a person who's genuinely engaged in the soul of humanity or anything mm-hmm. like that. Maybe, yeah, maybe I'm just seeing it wrong because I thought, yeah, that is, if he's supposed to be more of like uh, someone who's not being prophetic about media and technology. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. You know? Yeah. I think it's yeah. a little yeah. both. Yeah. A little confusing. Like, yeah, it's a it little is, confusing. It, it is confusing because there is a contrasting between like, okay, it's like almost like a shelter for the unhoused is kind of what his basement area looks like. But then he has this like grand library with you know like his office is very like you know like right. well designed well, i mean there's just, kind of a maybe a metaphor of class i guess so i guess so it's just yeah it is kind of it's just weird it's it it, it leaves me wanting to know i guess more about his character but the yeah thing- it feels like a lot of these the great ideas and the great premises that are that are that cronenberg puts in this film are just questions and there's no answers you know but he's just like i don't know i'm yeah. just just putting the question on screen there's but then there's no big, real yeah. his know, best i think it. I think we figured this out. It's like all these great ideas need to get fleshed out, new fleshed out, new you know? fleshed yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, hey. but there's hey now. copyright. But there's there's uh, the, he, uh the guy who plays Brian Oblivion has one really good mo- acting moment for that comes to mind when um James Woods is in his apartment and he's he's watching the video uh, that oh, he yeah. got the first video he got from him, which is the hallucination, and then the audio goes from the the yeah. uh, diegetic audio from the TV, you know, and then it, and then it clicks on to, you know, audio. He goes, Max. And reality is less than television. Max. Yeah, Max. That's great. <laughs> that's he's and, like, Max. No, that's incredible. Yeah. Right. No, that's good. But then also when he starts talking and he gets like into it, then the fucking BDSM guys come out of the fucking side and doors. they kill him. And then and they he's fucking saying his last words. Like, ah, is, yeah. Ah, ah, you know that's that's, that's some really on fire fucked up shit that's that's more killer cronenberg yeah it's just uh the, the movie's hit and miss for me and i think huh i wonder if he had more time and money and that would have helped because it does feel like he's like great idea first and i'll cross my fingers and hope that i can cross the finish line with this idea and yeah. have it work in the narrative and have it all come together and I think he didn't quite get to the finish line on that. I kind of feel so like it's, I think, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just sort real quick and I'll be done. I, yeah. I, I just sort of think that it's symptomatic maybe sometimes of just like maybe a few more good collaborators where it's like, you know, yes. like James Woods, great. Rick Baker, amazing. Let's get a better cinematographer. Let's maybe get like a co-writer if you're down with that. And like you know, and and then if you had a, a just a much stronger team, it could have been something. Because have a like, script pro, just right. Spend the weekend on it. Because we've like, been saying this a lot at the show, he's, actually, uh, where people are a little too self-contained mm-hmm. and autoristic, and um, yeah, he doesn't like. Have, yeah, he yeah, might not bring have somebody the chops. else in. Bring yeah. somebody else in on the script. He, I'm saying the script. He treats himself like an auteur, you know, and he has executed, made all these films himself, and he he would shoot stuff in his early films himself and stuff. So he's a good filmmaker, but he does he doesn't have quite the chops to be that auteur. I feel like I feel like like you know, um, hit or miss describes like most Cronenberg films for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I can't think of one where I'm just like, this is well, my favorite one, and it's yeah. a hit or miss. <laughs> it's hit you know, the Brood thing, is you know? pretty solid. That's what I was gonna yeah. say. I I, I think the Brood is maybe his best because it's the most personal. 
And so mm-hmm. like he's yeah. approaching it from like I've experienced this anguish. We talked about it in the episode. Shout out in the archives. Mm-hmm. One fucking hour in the brute. We talked about, oh, yeah. you know, it's based on a lot of his own personal emotions and and, and anger and rage. And so mm-hmm. I think it's coming from the heart. So then that works. Uh, I think the fly is actually pretty freaking good. You know, when you're yeah. when you when you break it I all like down. It. I like yeah. it too. It's just he's so disgusting to look at. I can't. I can watch it once and then never <laughs> see it again. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just too gross. I love it. I for love the main it. But, character. But it's it, <laughs> it's so. Maybe we'll do the fly sometime. It's so heartbreakingly sad in the end of that movie when he's when he when he's the fly at the end and then he takes the shotgun and holds it up to his his head. You know, yeah. when someone else is holding it. I mean, it's it's, it's great. There's yeah, great. So that's probably that. that's the most emotional Cronenberg ever got. You know, like he he's got kind of a like not emotive qual emotional quality to a lot of his characters. I feel like, yeah. and sure, he's got that kind of like almost like a Garth Marenghi, Stephen King kind of like edgy <laughs> type. Guy, he's an intellectual you know, kind of thing. He's, yeah, he's intellectual. He's sort of a dark a dark intellectual. No, there's though, that too. You know? yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, but I I'm just gonna go back to what I was saying, which is like. He he really should have just let go the reins of the script because I think he does have a visual style. He has a visual. He has an eye. He knows yeah. of great killer, weird cinematic compositions uh, coming to uh, of ideas coming to life. And concepts, but I think yeah. he could really he could really use someone who's just like, all right, what do we got here? You know, let, let me t- let me tear apart your script this weekend and let's put it back together. And um, that I think is a real failing. I think if he had. If he had the opportunity to do that, I think he should have taken that kind of opportunity because, let me put it this way, great directors don't have to necessarily write their stories. You know what I mean? They didn't quite write The Fly because that's based on, it's an adaptation, Yeah, by the way. True. You know? but, right, but, right. But, and, and, and you know, I, I don't want to beat up on Videodrome too much because, you know, because, I mean, it is, at the end of the day, extremely rad. You know, it's an extremely... Yeah. It's awesome. You know what movie killer. he turned down to do Videodrome? Hmm. Return of the Jedi. Oh yeah! So just, no way! Yeah. So yeah. just add him to the list what? of amazing directors that didn't do Return of the Jedi. You right. got Steven Spielberg, uh, David Lynch, you know what, Cronenberg. I, but if you can't get those guys, I hear that Richard Marquand might be available. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Well, right. the only thing Jabba the Hutt was missing was a big fucking butthole to put some uh, heroin <laughs> powder. Smoke up. Yeah. yeah, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that uh, now that I want to see. That's an a- get that AI going, guys. Of uh, Cronenberg's uh, Jedi. Yeah. Come on, um, chop chop. But anyway, yeah, anyway, it is. No, no, no. We are. We 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 knew going into this that there was going to be some, uh, you know, a little bit of like. Uh, dunking a little negativity on him but i think it's with love because what you said in the beginning uh, evan is the key thing for me the movie's on fire in the first 20 minutes you're like hell yes whoa 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 i love this guy what world are we in tv station fire mm-hmm. and like and deborah harry that's what gets me it's like we're mm-hmm. fucking on fire in the first the character yeah. characters so i'm yeah. more disappointed in the um confusing gummy narrative because mm-hmm. there is a point in the towards the end of the film where i'm just like i don't know i don't know like I, do i care about him where's this going yeah. do i care about anything <laughs> you know yeah, yeah we're like it's like yeah it's really I, I, like, the first part is so strong that i would say i love this movie because the first part is so strong yeah you know, exactly even, yeah. but and, and then it's like the like the last 20 minutes you know with him getting his hallucinations recorded in the head gimmick and doing that whole thing and then going on this kind of quest and being bounced around from one end of the story to the other end of the story and then you kind of get this you know then he finally kills barry convex and the whole thing 
it it doesn't feel yeah it feels like it's as you said earlier before we started recording soupy like we're kind of floating in this mm-hmm. world and it's not really quite coming together but at the end which of the is day, kind of a place where a pretentious kind of art housey guy yeah. would uh rationalize himself to be in like well it's soupy because it's like the whole theme is like uh yeah, yeah, yeah. you know gooey and kind of like mm-hmm. not very clear and sort of out of focus you know what i'm saying like yeah. like there's nothing wrong with addressing wild mind-blowing topics but with some rigor because it can it's more powerful in my opinion to, to address mind-blowing with rigor mm-hmm. otherwise it is soupy and then you can hide this is my point and i don't know if he's doing this but i feel mm-hmm. like it is he's hiding in the soupiness that's inherent in the topic the subject matter and just going well whatever man it's like well, I, right. like, like i could justify i the movie went this way and i could justify that because like what is reality? And it's like, oh, come on, don't do that. You know? Right. You Things know are so I mean? much stronger when people enter with the intention, you know, and if you're just going to say like, well, it's up to interpretation and keep it kind of loose and you yeah. can kind of rationalize it yeah. that way if it's not. I call that a cosmic cop out. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I, I think you. that the, I think that the set pieces start to become like uh, more allegorical, metaphorical, like just a little individual set pieces. The idea that yeah, he's got yeah. a vagina in his stomach and then there's a, Sure. penis gun and it's like okay now i'm fucking penis myself gun. you know and the whole thing and it's not it's not so much about like the greater context of like the characters and you know where yeah, they're yeah, going because yeah, yeah. but oh, he yeah. does because he is tying things together thematically from time to time as we pointed out like the we're introduced to him in a talk show it's on television there's the mm-hmm. television cathode ray thing you know but then it, it just starts to become almost too many concepts that are you know uh, and we don't go back to we're not in the video world that much too after the first part you know right. yeah like, yeah yeah there you go no evan that's a good point it's like like it, it can be a problem when you keep opening up new presents and you're forgetting yeah. about the first present some kind yeah. of bad metaphor <laughs> like that it's just like well what about where we like we did start somewhere again concretely with rigor mm. and you're right he keeps getting distracted and, and getting interested in like opening up this and opening up that i never realized that but that's true and then suddenly it's like Maybe he's having fun and interested in, in like keeping opening different uh, avenues, but it's like I'm still back there with, with two feet on the ground because that was a wild, really fun place where you're in a reality that's already kind of skewed. 1983 sleaze culture, right. and then like that sleaze culture getting a little wobbly, and there's manipulation of of that already weird reality. That's a really cool place, and that's more of like a Liquid Sky kind of movie. Sort and of there movie. also could have been like I don't know, I don't want to. Try to rewrite. I don't want to rewrite this guy's movie or anything, but there could have yeah, been word. something more with Deborah Harry. The idea of like yeah. you know, kind of a Lynchian lost girl or someone getting lost in yes. the mystery of this whole thing, and yes. and and their relationship fleshed out a little bit more because mm-hmm. we kind of she doesn't give a fuck about her once she leaves the she, the leaves the movie you know halfway through she's barely know? in the movie she's just yeah. in for a, a few moments and like yeah like uh, and even when she returns she's not really returning uh, you know she makes a cameo and like yeah it'd be great like what if there was a reunion at the end of the film with her like. Yeah. All right. Well, but you um, fucked up, David. I'm just kidding. But we love it. We love, we we love video love drum. We, we love, love video drum. We love it. Okay. <laughs> All right. I know it kind of feels bad to, to, to say anything negative I know. about it. Because, like, I don't you like know, I don't dislike it that much. You know, I don't either. And it's like, look, it's like they're like, dude, they're like, they're, there's fucking movies out there, like, you know, the Evil Dead remake, you know, or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's like, you know, th- this movie is. Yeah. 
is great by comparison to ninety percent of the movies yeah. that are yeah. made. You know, let's, part let's of the era too. Like the the kind of the stink of the eighties is kind of creeping in too. I think a little yeah. bit. You know, compared yeah, to just there's, how there's great the plenty 70s of were. scorn to reserve elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. It's, again, we my keyword, and I know we're cheating a little bit, but just to say, Kidding. it's a disappointment, which is different than like. Yeah, even being critical, it's just like, ah, oh, I wish it went that way and not this way. That's all. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But it's very cool. It's a very cool we thing love that it exists. Drunk. We love it. Don't yeah. get it twisted, y'all. Patron. All right, Patron. Okay. So uh, as as promised, we were. Uh, this is it, guys. That's the end of the summer series. Sixteen end films scene. in a row yeah. from nineteen. Yeah, we're not, For all those nineteen eighty four fanatics, sorry, Charlie. Yeah, what yeah. would we have done for eighty four? Was it going to be uh, just the out big of chill, Africa. right? <laughs> uh, uh, a room with oh, a view. Oh uh, my god. Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Officer and a gentleman. I mean, once upon a time in America. Um, Dune. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> what? Um, Boone? Dune. <laughs> Dune. Dune. I ain't doing Dune. fucking Dune. You don't want to do Dune? Yeah. I know. I don't watch right, so, Dune. You do Dune. Dune. You do Dune, dude. You do Dune. All right, Dune. so. <laughs> just Out of Africa, though. That, that's, <laughs> well, that's my that's my shorthand for like, get me the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> the middle of right. the 80s. All right. All right. Time out. All right. So let's get back on track it's here. It's over. We did, yeah, we did uh, 16 movies from 1967 to 1983. There you go, everybody. Uh, you're welcome. That was the summer series, but now let's talk about um, what we're doing next. Of course, we tease it at the top of the show. We are getting into one fucking Tober, of course. This is our second uh, horror movie marathon for the month of October. We did it last year. We're doing it this October. And so get ready, guys. We're going to unveil the schedule, <clears throat> the official program. Uh, for one fucking tober part two and uh, let's get into it so if you're looking at your calendars here uh, the week of October 2nd which will be next week uh, we are going to be dropping our uh, first movie which is very excited about this I've been wanting to do this one for such a long time great 70s underrated deep cut gem Messiah of Evil will be the first movie that we do very special Really special, crazy atmospheric, yeah. nightmare logic. Um, yeah, scenes where people just are screaming for ten minutes. Go ahead. Masterful set pieces. Yes, you know. Yes, albino like guy at the at yeah. the guest at the gas station. Uh, do you like Wagner? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, uh, it, it's a it is a, an epic. It is. There's nothing like it. It's uh, yeah, it's special. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That's gonna be cool. Yeah, so definitely get your pre watch in. For that, Messiah of Evil is the first episode for One Fucking Tober. Week two of One Fucking Tober is going to be, we're, we're going to be getting a little mainstream here. This was a poll option during the summer series, but we're going to have special guest Rami Bennett return. She's going to town on this one with a dissertation. She's got a lot planned for it already. We're going to be doing One Fucking Hour on The Shining. Okay. <laughs> Might have heard of it. It's uh, Stanley yeah. Kubrick's. You might have already watched take. an hour long um, yeah. uh, video on it. You, you might have already watched someone do it. All right, yeah, yeah, but you didn't it. watch us do it. So this is our take. <laughs> yeah, on the Shining, and I and, think and you might be interested in that. You know, it, it is going to be because we hated it. No, yeah, kidding. we hate it. <laughs> it is. It, it, it is going to be me. It's no conspiracy theory bullshit. We're just talking about no. the themes. We're talking about the movie. The We're talking movie. About the scenes, the, the dialogue, movie. characters, <laughs> yeah. shots, 
Yeah. Editing. It's <laughs> nothing <laughs> else. The movie. Yeah. Change. Exactly. All right. So we're going to be talking about that. So that'll be week two of One Fucking Tober. Week three. It's going to be spray bottle mania for uh, week three because it's going to be. <laughs> is it? It is because it's going to be. It's a big Tom. It's, it's a big, oh God, yeah. big Tom. Me? What? Yep. Uh, oh, this is all you, man. This could be almost a birthday pick. Uh, it is going to be uh, yeah. very, very excited about it. I've known for as long as I've known you, I've known you to be like a major fan of this movie. So it's going to be one. You even mentioned it tonight. Actually, you casually dropped it tonight. Uh, it'll be one fucking yeah. hour on Last House on Dead End Street. What's that going to be like? There's nothing quite like it. Uh, AKA Cuckoo Clocks from Hell. Uh, by the way, I keep feeling like we're uh, announcing um, contenders for a poll. I'm like, come <laughs> on, think I about know. it. Dead End Street? And it's like, no, we are doing it. <laughs> we're doing it. <laughs> got to get out of that mindset. No, Dead End Street, oh, it's really, um, you know, it's, uh, this is how I'll put it. It's uh, one of those things where it's 100% mystery for the whole world up until about 2001. And it's such a delicious mystery who are these in these fake credits no other there's no imdb of anyone else listed in this film where was it made when was it made who are these people what the hell when did it come out what is this but then all of it gets answered we can get into that in 2001 and then it's a little bittersweet because it's like oh i love that mystery but then it stays weird it's Mm -hmm. its own new cycle of like this was the director and he did it then and this was it and this was the original idea and there was a three-hour version of this movie and it's uh it's equa interesting yeah but yeah, spray um, bottles may not even be required because i've actually heard tom break down this film before and it and it probably took at least an hour and it was super interesting so I oh think, yeah, uh, I, yeah I, I'm, I might I'm even just, i, I, I didn't i didn't i didn't know this was the dynamic of this episode but okay no I'm you guys excited. are fans too i mean i'm a it's fan i'm a, no, I I, I yeah, am a fan. Of course, but 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 you know, Tom Tom talking, you know, this it it, it is a little, you know, a Max Ren Max Ren uh, Videodrome dynamic as well. Hey, uh, I watched it for business reasons. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but no, seriously, it's going to be great. Uh, one fucking hour on Last House on Dead End Street. That'll be week yeah. three. Week four of One Fucking Tober is going to be. <sighs> oh yeah here we go here we go very excited (laughs) it's a little show that we call reboot walkout um reboot walkout it is gonna be uh one fucking hour on the horror movies that we hate uh will be (laughs) specifically yep specifically the reboots um and uh, we, we, we've talked about some of them in the previous Movies We Hate episodes, but we're going to drill down real hard on There's a lot plenty of more. There's plenty, <laughs> plenty, plenty more. We're not going to so, get to all of them, I'm sure. On no, the special the <laughs> no, we're not. We're not. But, uh, but, but I got eyes on uh, both of the Rob Zombie Halloweens. I'm starting mm-hmm. there. I teased the Evil Dead those. remake. I teased the Evil Dead remake. Not, yeah, um, yeah. So there is a lot that we're going to get into. So that'll be a fun fucking evening. Well, and, of and, yeah, to be clear. 2000s 2010s even some shit now in this decade yeah. uh yeah. reboot walkout is our yep. nomenclature for it wherein it's like well we might have a friend who actually would see these in a theater oh we this, do 
person that we know would say, why am I not walking out? Should I walk out of, <laughs> of Leatherface, the prequel, you know, for instance? Oh, oh reboot, yeah, walk out. So, you know, it's, I just realized so there, it's painful to have to watch some of, get some watch in on these. Like, yeah, we're going to have to no, watch. So, so then, so then hence the, uh, the, our version of, uh, na, 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 hey, 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 <laughs> goodbye is reboot, walk out. So we're yeah. encouraging everyone, because at the end of every uh, time we talk about one of these movies, we're all yeah. going to chant it. Reboot, reboot walk out. out. <laughs> so get ready for that. That's going to be really excited. That's, of course, the night where the neckbeards are going to go full dreadlock goatee uh, for the reboot, walk out. So get ready for that. <laughs> Um, I think uh, course, Marcus is, is Mar uh, shopping for nose rings, right? Yeah, he is. Like, go between the nostrils. Yeah. I think I have one from last year. I think, oh, well, yeah, right. I I think for that show we need to go full Bob Zombie on that one appearance wise. We're gonna oh, go. We're gonna get. Yeah. We're gonna get ready for that. Yeah, and then white, uh, white boy dreadlocks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm getting a dread wig right now on Amazon Prime. All right, so then. Uh, week five is a mystery. We don't know what it is because there is five weeks in October. So maybe we'll do a, a Halloween bonus show. But these guys are pretty busy because they have a residency at the what is it? <laughs> the Philosophical Research Society. It's, <laughs> okay. it's right across, down the street from the cathode ray mission. You, you yeah, know. no shit. Exactly. <laughs> I know it sounds but, like we're kidding. But we'll put the link down place. below for the, yeah, yeah. For the shows. Link down below. There, this is a real place. The Philosophical Research Society. Bunch yeah, of link. crazy fun, nice folks run it. It's a beautiful building, and until yeah. they kick us out, we're doing it there and uh, you know, yeah. four-week residency in uh, October. Yeah, so come see the XP boys, Tom and Marcus. Uh, it'll be uh, the second, third, and fourth Tuesday of October. And, of course, also, yeah, the last one, of course, being Halloween. Link in the description uh, for the dates and times and info on all that if you want to go see your boys. And um, and then, yeah, guys, uh, patreon.com slash one fucking hour is the best way to support the show. Just five dollars a month. And if you want to. Uh, yeah. If you want to support the show, you like what we're doing here and you want more bonus content. We're also going to have tons of bonus shows as well that we're going to put up uh, in October as well. So if you want access to those, you're definitely going to want to get on the Patreon. So. All right, guys, pretty exciting. Uh, we got a whole nother month of shit sketched out. Uh, thank mm -hmm. you guys so much for uh, being around for the big uh, summer series. We really appreciate yeah. you guys watching and supporting all this shit. And, uh, and thanks, everyone, for voting. You know, it was very fun. Uh, very fun. A little uh, interactive little uh, hangout this summer, very, you know, and we yeah. never know where the polls are going. It's always yeah. pretty but fun. But that's all over now. Yeah. We're picking them from here on out for, yeah. 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 for a little while. Take a seat, guys. <laughs> yeah, take a seat. Settle down. Um, all right, everybody. Well, thanks so much. And uh, before we get out of here, we can't leave you without your mama. Kind of slow. Oh. Kind of oh, Sorry. Jesus. <laughs> I do uh, love that. I am, I, am I am in hotel mode. So. Um, gotcha. Gotcha. Just a second. Oh, oh yeah. We can't leave you without your mama. Mommin. Of Zen. <laughs> there, right, he there he is. There he is. There he is. See ya. All right, everybody, have a good rest of your week. We'll talk to you soon. See you later. Goodbye. Happy Halloween. Good night Bye. What we were sort of looking for was something that would uh, take me out of the, the uh, sort of image that people had of me, um, you know, Blondie and, and being a singer and sort of being, you know, sort of this cute, popsy little, you know, character. Um, we did, however, want um, for the first film something like comedy something that would be light and sort of charming and people would really love me. Uh, so Nikki is not exactly that. What do you think, Nikki? 
Is it socially positive? Well, I think we live in overstimulated times. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. <laughs> That was wicked, man.